When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey out there, rock and rollers. Welcome to the 90th episode of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast. Brought to you by your host, me, Mac B, the Wolf, and my partner in crime, Gary Action Jackson. He's coming to you live from the East Coast. I'm coming to you from the continent of Europe. Finally, I'm getting out a little bit here, folks. The wolf was in lockdown for a long time in London, and then it took a while for things to kind of just kind of try to get back to normal a bit. So I'm taking the opportunity to travel a little bit, spend some time in the Netherlands and Amsterdam, and hopefully be telling you a little bit about that on our show here real soon. And I want to thank Mike Winband from our sponsor, RareVinyl.com, where they have over a quarter of a million items in stock of rare and mint and hard-to-find, classic LPs, singles, CDs, DVDs, whatever you're looking for. We really appreciate their sponsorship. And Mike came in to talk a little bit about his record-collecting experience. And as a record buyer for Rare Vinyl, what he looks for, what are some of the labels that can tip you off to let you know whether you have a piece of real treasure in your collection versus maybe a piece of trash. It's great to have him on. And of course, we appreciate their sponsorship and that they give you a discount on every purchase you make. Sometimes you can go on a site and you get a 10% off discount for the first purchase you ever make. But if you use podcast code when checking out at rarevinyl.com or eil.com, you can get 10% off every purchase you ever make. And I was just on there recently, saw some rare Pink Floyd stuff. Some rare Beatles stuff, some Stones singles from the 60s and 70s. It looked amazing to me. So if you're a collector, if you're looking for a good deal uh, on great stuff that ship anywhere all around the world, go to rarevinyl.com or eil.com and use the code PODCAST to get 10% off each and every purchase you make. Now this week, we're going to go back in time just a little bit. We had a great run in June with some wonderful interviews. Back to back to back, we had Jeff Downs. Of Asia. And yes, of course, you know we're big Asia fans here, but we got to talk to Jeff just before Yes did their UK tour, their 50th anniversary of Close to the Edge. We got to talk to him right after the passing of drummer Alan White. So it's a very poignant time. But we also got to talk to his partner in crime, Carl Palmer of Asia, and Emerson Lake and Palmer. He got to talk a little bit about the Asia box set that came out earlier this year to commemorate their worldwide satellite broadcast on MTV from 1983. And then we got to speak to Chris Slade, uh, probably most famous from being in ACDC during the Thunderstruck days, but he was in The Firm with Jimmy Page, Paul Rogers, and the fretless monster, Tony Franklin. 
He toured with David Gilmore. He was in Manfred Mann's Earth Band. He toured with Uriah Heep. He's toured with Michael Schenker. He toured with Olivia Newton-John when she was a young woman. He worked with Tom Jones at the beginning of his career. He's had an extraordinary career, and it was fun to talk to all those guys back to back to back. And then we had a lot of concert reviews to do, like the Rolling Stones, like Duran Duran, like Simple Minds, like Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets. But one that I went to and I didn't get to talk much about was I went to see Jeff Beck at the Royal Albert Hall in late May. And of course, like all the other tickets that I had, this was more than two years in the making. I think I sat on those tickets for two and a half years or something like that. It got postponed due to COVID. It got postponed due to COVID again. And finally, I get to see Jeff Beck in about the fourth row of Royal Albert Hall. So I was pretty excited about that. But the public was excited about his new singer and touring partner. And that's one Mr. Johnny Depp. And the days leading up to my show... At Royal Albert Hall, Johnny Depp played with Beck in Sheffield, and I think he might have played in Manchester or something like that. I saw them early in the tour, so I got to go down and see Jeff Beck, one of my absolute heroes, but then there was a little extra buzz in the air, right? A little something else going on, and that's that Johnny Depp was joining him there. So we recorded it right after that show, but we didn't put it out. Of course, later this summer, he and Johnny released an album, 18. It's about 13 songs. It's all covers. Well, it's not all covers. Now, Johnny and, and, and wrote a couple songs in there, and Jeff chipped in a little bit, too. So, Jax and I decided to go ahead and review that to go along with our review of the show at Royal Albert Hall. So, it's kind of two shows in one. It's a review of the live show of Jeff Beck and Johnny Depp, live at Royal Albert Hall from May 30th of 2022, and then it's a review of their album 18, which didn't come out till a little bit later in the year. So we're going to go ahead and get into that here. Uh, as usual, we need to let you know that we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family uh, with about 100 shows, all different genres, something for everybody on Pantheon. You can go to at Pantheon Pods or PantheonPodcast.com. We like to give shout outs to the folks we've worked with on there before, like Jay from The Hook Rocks, like Paul from This Day Rocks and Vintage Rock Pod. Paul's a great guy and is helping us try to sort out the audio on this show. And of course, the Kiss Kings, the number one Kiss podcast in the world, Tom and Zeus from the Shout It Out Loud cast. And we want you to download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast, be it Spotify, Apple, iTunes. Good Pods has been very good to us lately. Their team recommended us as a team pick, uh, and we've been top five on some of their music charts. It's a great place to interact with people. But no matter where you get your podcast, Please download and subscribe, and consider giving us a positive review. If we hear about it or you send it to us, we might just read it on the show. Now, back to Jeff Beck and Johnny. Look, Jeff Beck is a legendary guitar player, blues player, heavy metal, jazz. I mean, he is almost beyond genre. And then Johnny, is he really a singer? Is he really a songwriter? Or is he a Hollywood brat who has entree to people like Jeff Beck and decided, hey, I want a side project. How about I make an album with Jeff Beck? I don't know. To me, well, you'll just have to listen. I thought live, the show was a lot of fun. When Johnny came out, there's a lot of energy. Uh, I, I, Jeff's obviously the superior musician and the legend. But Johnny has a certain charisma that shined through during the show. I don't know if it's captured as well on record. But you can be the judge of that. Why don't you listen to me and Jackson here. We're going to talk about them live, Jeff Beck and Johnny Depp. And then we're going to talk about their album 18 right here on The Wolf.
the reason I wanted to do this special session when we already have so many great shows in the pipeline, we're pretty fortunate not only with the concerts that we're seeing, but the interviews that we have lined up here uh, in June and beyond. But as we've talked about on the show many times, Jackson, I move here in 2019, and then I buy a bunch of tickets to a bunch of different shows in 2020, one by one. They all got either canceled or rescheduled. And now, and then in 2021, postponed again. And now, in 2022, these things are starting to happen. And we had some great shows already on me being able to see Genesis, second to last concert ever, see The Simple Minds, finally. And another one that I've been waiting two and a half years for is Jeff Beck, the legendary guitar player. Could call him a blues guitar player, but it's so much more than that. I mean, and he's unique. Notice I didn't say very unique because you can't qualify unique and it pisses me off when people say, oh, he's very unique. You know, If you're unique, you're already very unique. You're already one of one, okay? But Jeff, I mean, he kind of does a heavy metal thing. He can kind of do the jazz thing. And the way he plays, no pick, mm-hmm. using his whole hand, using the yeah. whammy bar a whole lot. There's nobody else like him in the world. I would I would agree. Um, I don't know why he's not bigger in the United States. I kind of think he always gets put behind Jimmy Page, gets put behind Eric Clapton. Um, I, the first time I ever really got to know Jeff Beck was, I, what was it, like 90 or 91? Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Or maybe even earlier than that, he put out Jeff Beck's Guitar Shop, right? With uh, with uh, Terry Bazio mm-hmm. and another gentleman, Tony like, Hines. It could have been. I don't maybe. have it in front of me right now, yeah. but that was a great record. And then I was like, wow, you know, like I'd heard the name. I knew who. I mean, I'd heard Jeff Beck out there in the ether before, right? But then to listen to that, I'm like, yeah. Well, I guess the deal was that he didn't sing. And the, and that always put him behind, like a even Stevie Ray Vaughan too, and, right? And you know, coming from those great years with Rod Stewart and the the Faces that he was in and the Jeff Beck group. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, he wasn't in the Faces, was he? No, no, 
No, Ronnie that's Wood that's, uh, that's Ronnie Wood. I well, guess Ronnie Wood was, was the bass player of the Jeff Beck group with Rod. Okay, Stewart. correct. Yeah, and yeah. he worked with Rod Stewart. So they're and honestly, you put the two of them together, Ronnie Wood and Jeff Beck, back in the day, and it's hard to tell them apart. Yeah, but that's okay. But yeah, I just yeah, just a great a great guy who I don't think ever really got his due in the United States. I don't know if it's different over there. Well, I mean, he's regarded certainly as a huge star and a legend over here. But you're right because he never really sang anything mm-hmm. uh and, and and jimmy page never did but that's okay because he was in led zeppelin uh and led zeppelin you couldn't be bigger than led zeppelin so you know you're right he was in the yardbirds between eric clapton and, and jimmy page he actually was with jimmy for a while and then jeff's like you know what i'm out of here but you're right he made the jeff beck group mm-hmm. he had beck bogart and apathy he worked with stevie Wonder he, he he had a you know a big career kind of an arena career without ever really having that big huge American success yes some gold and platinum records but still he he never in the casual rock fan he doesn't exist in the same league as Jimmy Page and and Eric Clapton even right. though he is a most deserved two time member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and a legend usually on something like this we would walk through a big history of Jeff Beck and then lead up to the show. I think we can save that for another time. I think personally, yes, I remember when Jeff Beck's guitar shop came out. It was when we were in high school, regardless Mm -hmm. of the date, 88, 89, whatever that was. We, you and I kind of got into him in college because the box set craze was on. Mm -hmm. Uh, And just like Eric Clapton's Crossroads had his whole career in there with his various bands and everything. Beckology came out, right. which I think I got for Christmas of our freshman year, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. And it came in a cool box. It looked like a Fender guitar case, like one of those mm-hmm. old yellow ones, you know, and you open up, it was a three-disc set. And, and it had his stuff with the Yardbirds. It had stuff with Rod Stewart and BBA and Jeff Beck Group and, and all that stuff. And, and, and so we got to discover this because it wasn't, it wasn't like they played a lot of his tunes on the radio in America, right? I mean, you can get a lot of stuff played in America, but a lot of instrumentals which is a lot of his stuff it just doesn't get the airtime yeah i mean unless it's two o'clock in the morning on the the long form play but yeah he he never and even the even the the rod stewart stuff was not the rod stewart catalog people wanted to hear they wanted to hear more of the solo stuff so that all kind of got just pushed to the side in the united states absolutely true unfortunately but so it was, yeah, and in, I remember in, I think it was 1990, spring of 1990, he toured with Stevie Ray Vaughan. And I remember, boy, I really, I really want to see that because I was way into Stevie Ray Vaughan. I knew who Jeff Beck was. So I'm like, I want to go see them play. They came to Louisville, but they happened to come to Louisville when we took a class trip to Virginia to see Jamestown and to visit <laughs> the University of Virginia and stuff like that. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Jamestown's been here 400 years, man. I want to go see <laughs> Jeff Beck. And I remember complaining to Mr. Sullivan, one of our chaperones, that I'm missing Jeff Beck back home. Of course, he flippantly said, well, you can see him the next time around. Well, maybe I could see Jeff Beck the next time, but I couldn't see Stevie Ray Vaughan the next time, could I, Mr. Sullivan? Because he died just a year later. So thanks for Mr. that. Mr. Sullivan sounds like a jerk. Well, no, actually, he was pretty good, dude. But, um, <laughs> he was wrong about that. And also, it was after that Jeff Beck kind of said, look, I've got tinnitus. And I can't hear, and I it, I can't do this anymore. And so then he stopped touring for a long time. Now, fortunately, last night at Royal Albert Hall, was it was either the fourth or the fifth time I've seen him. I know I'd seen him three times prior to this. Uh, and he always tours with women 
in his band. He always has female members of his band. And a lot of times he'll also have a female opening act, which I think is cool. Young teenage me, you know, be like, no, you know, girls are for backstage. Uh, there's only one Stevie Nicks. Uh. <laughs> but as an adult who likes to hear the different sounds and, and hear from different kinds of musicians, it's a real blessing to be able to have, you know, women in the band. And he has some badass ladies in his band mm-hmm. over the years. He had a very young Tal Wilkenfeld, you know, way back uh, when he did the live at Ronnie Scott's thing. I mean, she might have been like 21, 22 years old. She looked like a little kid in it. But for years, he's been playing with Rhonda Smith on the bass. And this is at least the fourth time I've seen him play with Rhonda. And she delivers. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. He also had a cellist with him last night, Vanessa. And he had a keyboard player. He was a guy. Uh, but I couldn't catch his name. And so Vinnie Collada had been his drummer for a long time, and he played with him at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, he and Tal and Jimmy Page. He's been touring with him for a while. When they announced the tour in January or February, he's, they said Vinnie was going to be the drummer. But Vinnie wasn't there last night. There was a young woman with his long blonde hair, and she was awesome. She was killer. But I cannot find her name on the internet. I have looked mm. everywhere. I've looked on web pages. I've looked on the, on the social media. I know... It's out there. I know someone's going to hear this and tell us. I'm sure by the time this airs, I'll know it. But just, it was, they were a killer band. And because he doesn't necessarily have a ton of hits, quote unquote, not a lot of radio hits, he can kind of come out and play whatever the heck he wants. Yeah. And I guess that that could be freeing at some point in time. Because, yeah, it's like people people are showing up to hear him play. They don't really care what the track is i'm sure there's a couple that he has to play every night just to make the fans happy but for the most part yeah open slate do whatever you want to do well and he does a lot of covers Mm -hmm. and and he doesn't go back into his yardbird stuff he doesn't really get back into the any of the rod stewart jeff beck group stuff not really and he has released some records in the last 20 years so he he'll pick things off there and he'll do big block uh Mm -hmm. which you know a lot of people are familiar with but i guess Okay, so he comes out, the, the, the four band members come out there, and they kind of sit down and they get situated in their spots. And then Jeff comes out, he doesn't have his shades on, then he puts them on. He kind of mumbles something into the mic. <laughs> he, has a, he doesn't have like a microphone center stage. He has a microphone way, for me, stage left, for him stage right, way over there. And once in a while, he'll come up there and say something about a song. Like when they did Link Ray's Rumble, okay, which was cool. And he's doing his thing up there. He kind of announced that a little bit. He's like, Jimmy Page is like, this is the original punk anthem. You know, it's got three chords, but it's also really cool, you know. So he played that. Interesting. But it really got interesting around (laughs) the eighth song or so. Special guest star there? Yeah. As you saw, as the world (laughs) saw, the the two nights before in Sheffield, Johnny Depp, who has... Been in the news, uh, I hear, recently, some kind of trial going on Correct in the United States. And boom, there he was on stage. And he he not, I guess they released a John Lennon cover isolation together here recently. And Johnny came up and did that. But he didn't just do isolation. He did five or six songs. So when I got into Royal Albert Hall, and by Mm. the way, I I got to go down the floor this time and and see more of the underneath. It's, It's an amazing building. And... They had some really nice bars underneath the floor that I got to go into. Okay. But yeah, the, all the buzz 
was about Johnny Depp. And so everyone's, is he going to be here? You think he's here? Oh, no, I saw, I've got pictures of him. He was definitely here earlier. It's like, oh, okay, great. I got there super early because when I bought the ticket, I hadn't realized that he'd some kind of gold VIP package. I, I just, mm-hmm. I mean, I bought it two and a half years ago. I'm like, just give me the best seat you can. I've taken the She-Wolf to see him before. She doesn't want to see him again. So I'm just, I just need one ticket. I got fourth row. I'm like, sweet, whatever it costs, just take it, I'll go. And then they sent me a thing. Oh, you get VIP, you get you know, to come get this cool Jeff Beck swag or whatever. So I get there and it was all right. I mean, you know, you got a, you got a poster, a tiny little poster. You got a Jeff Bag water bottle, Jeff Beck water bottle. Neat. I got one of those patches that if I had a denim jacket, I could iron or sew that on there. And I got a Jeff Beck VIP laminate or whatever. And then a, a ticket in the fourth row. But it was cool because the bar downstairs had pictures of you know, everyone who played there over the years, and I was having my mm-hmm. pregame beer right next to a picture of Dave Grohl from when he was there 12 years ago, and there's all sorts of legends that played there. Anyway, we go up, and, and he's playing, he's jamming out, and, you know, this British guy in front of me is like, no, no, he already left. Johnny was here, but he already left. I'm like, what, do you have to go score some drugs? He can come back after he scores. That's not a big deal. <laughs> of course, cool, like, yes, like so many older British people who are so sure they know everything, he was wrong. And Johnny comes up, song eight, and plays the song Hedy Lamar. He wasn't bad. The, the girls were going nuts. I mean, mm-hmm. he got a big ovation. I uh-huh. love you, Johnny. A mm-hmm. lot of people doing that. But he did like six or seven songs. And I'll tell you, Jeff never changed his guitar. He did once for Little Wing. But it may have been that he had a broken string or something was off there because the guy brought out his backup, he played it for Little Wing, and then he brought it right back to him afterwards, okay? Yeah. Johnny was out there for six songs. He used a different guitar. He, he switched out his guitar every single time. Well, he's he's. It's, I think it's about the flair and the look, look at the guitar collection that I have, yes. Yeah, I guess. I mean, the only one I could really hear really well is he had a 12-string acoustic on Hedy Lamar, and, and that you could hear in the mix. He was turned way down in the mix on the rest of the songs. <laughs> <laughs> but they came out and put his microphone center stage because yeah, Johnny is going to sing for you, you know. I'm like, okay, let's let's see how this goes. And he wasn't bad. And then he did they did what's going on, but Jeff generally by Marvin Gaye, but but Jeff yeah. generally played the lead singer part on his guitar. Okay. And then Johnny would just go, brother, brother. Sister, sister, you know, that kind of thing. He wasn't really singing the Marvin Gaye part. Jeff was doing that with his guitar. Uh-huh. Not, a, not unlike when at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction, he did Immigrant Song. He did Robert Plant's part, basically, on his guitar, let Jimmy play the guitar part. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's amazing just to see how he can make these sounds with his guitar that, that I don't, I've never seen anybody else do. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I saw a thing one time. It was a, it was a rig rundown of his guitar gear. He's got... The one that I saw, he had three guitars. They were all exactly the same, white Fender yep. Stratocasters. He had the number one, he had the backup, and then he had a third one that I think was a different tuning for one or two songs. Mm-hmm. But you're right. He's, if the number one goes down, fix it quick and get it back to me because I that's the one that he likes to play. So it's amazing, to your point, that he can do all of that without having to swap 56 guitars in there and you know this is we play this for one song no he's just give him the give him the strat and he'll make it sing that's right and, and he's got pedals i mean I, I did see him yeah you know kick some pedals a couple times but it wasn't crazy uh except on it's part of the the link ray rumble is he had that on there so yeah. it's pretty neat but no even when they brought the one out for a little wing it was like the headstock was upside down so you could 
you could tell him apart. Uh, and then okay. they took it right back. And sometimes he plays slide, and he'll play the slide with his middle finger, and then he just kind of drops the slide on the ground, and then he goes back to playing <laughs> with his hands again. I mean, he was a genius. It's so good. But, I mean, they go into Little Wing, and I'm like, okay, Jeff has the right to play this song, and he mm-hmm. can do it, and he did it well. I'm like, Johnny's going to sing Little Wing, huh? Okay. Interesting. Interesting. And he didn't do a bad job. He didn't do a bad mm-hmm. job. And then, though, I mean, here's the thing. I was looking at it, and I'm like, this guy's not an amazing singer. He's not a bad guitar player. He's not an amazing singer. I just, I was just thinking, God, because he's an older man now, and he's put on some weight. He definitely likes his drink. Apparently, he likes some other things as well. Oh, boy. And I'm just thinking, the world-class tail this guy has gotten and and look at him now like i get 21 jump street or donnie brosco johnny i get him getting all that action but like this guy's not the same guy ladies and yet i'm still pretty sure i saw a beautiful girl side stage with him that night <laughs> well he's still got the he's still got credits in the bank yeah i like uh so. i like when jay moore's got a bit that he says somebody needs to tell johnny depp he's not a real pirate stop <laughs> with all that <laughs> 17 scarfs and you know rings on every finger but so i mean it it sounds to me like this was like part of the part of the plan because you wouldn't come out there i mean it's not like oh i just showed up and oh i've got eight guitars with me i mean obviously this was a kind of a planned thing well that's right i mean you're right about that and they're playing two nights at royal albert hall and now jeff's Mm -hmm. got a tour of more of england and i believe going to continental europe here in, in june so is Johnny going to go with him? Because apparently Johnny likes to show up late a lot. And, uh, well, that could be a problem if you're supposed to play at a certain time. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how Jeff feels about that. But he kind of introduced himself. They, you know, he did his seventh song. And when he introduced him, he's like, he goes over to his weird little microphone on the side there. So I, I want to introduce you to someone. Started knocking on my on my door five years ago. And we've been laughing ever since for obvious reasons. And then someone saw him on the side saying, we love you, Johnny. And they brought this microphone out, and there he was. Not that big a surprise at the end of the day, just because we already yeah. happened in Sheffield. But it was kind of a big deal, and and obviously this is newsworthy. I guess uh, it, it's trending, if you will. Most of the time, when we go see a band, it's not going to end up on Fox News, right? Right. We don't see it on CNN, like yeah, Mac B went to see Nick Mason Saucer <laughs> Full of Secrets at Royal Albert Hall. No, but because. Johnny's in this ridiculous trial with his crazy, gorgeous, sexy, insane ex-wife, and he has limited grasp of reality, too. (laughs) It's all this tabloid fodder, right? And they're pulling other famous people like Kate Moss into it and stuff like that, Elon Musk, and it's like, God, this is... It's like the OJ trial as far as it's capturing people's imagination or whatever. And then for him to just, it was like Friday, he was in court. And Saturday, he plays Sheffield, you know, with, with Jeff yeah. Beck. So, yeah, no, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm posting a picture. Look who showed up there. And like, but I also see it on Fox News. I'm like, this is kind of bizarre for us, for our world. Like, we, we like being separated from the main <laughs> news cycle. We like just being in the rock cycle. But, I, you know, I guess it's kind of... I wouldn't call it a big deal because it's not like it was an amazing performance. But I guess sociologically, it's something going on right now. Yeah, and I mean, if if it if it wasn't if the trial wasn't happening and Johnny Depp showed up, would you even like? Okay, well, that's kind of weird and random. I mean, but the fact right. of the matter is that I don't know how it is there, but here in the United States, the trial is 
huge. It's all over the place. It's on the news. Every time they do, you know, any kind of like deposition or whatever, it's on here. There's, you know, everybody's got to weigh in on what's going on. So yeah, it is a big news story. Yeah. And I still get, uh, I still look at CNN and, and Fox mm-hmm. news every day, just because I want to know what's going on at home. Yes. It's been on BBC.com some, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, everyone's always fascinated with American movie stars and, and, you know, it's just, it, it's kind of silly. Uh, you know, and it's like, God, I, I've been waiting to see this legend. He's got this amazing band, chock full of badass women. Yeah, I want to see them do their thing. And then, okay, the whole show is Jack yeah, Farrow yeah. sauntering yeah. out on stage, <laughs> changing his guitar every song. The last song they did together before the encore was uh, the Death and Resurrection show, which I guess is a killing joke song. And it's okay. the first time, like, they didn't do that in Sheffield. It's the first time they've, they've played it. And then... <laughs> And then it was over, and Jeff didn't go to the microphone and say thanks, Johnny, or anything. And the guy, like the guitar tech guy, just kind of came up to Johnny and said, "Come on, you know, it's time to go." Johnny didn't wave. It's like he banged his his hand. He turned around and kind of shook his hand for a while, and then he kind of wandered off the stage. And I'm like, "Well, thanks for coming, John." I mean, it's <laughs> kind of strange, you know. And then Jeff went into "Cause We Ended as Lovers." which is kind of that super mellow song mm-hmm. that we liked. It's all in Beckology. You know, he's been doing it for a long time. Every time I've seen him play, he's done that song. That's, I don't know if you call it a hit, but it's a staple. It's a pretty big song of his. Okay. Yeah. It's beautiful. You know, it gives him a chance to show off, but it's also pretty chill. And then he did a few seconds. It wasn't even the whole song of Corpus Christi Carol. He just did a little bit of it. And he's like, oh, okay, thanks. And then he set his guitar down on the stage. He didn't give it to a roadie. He didn't set it on a stand. He like just laid it down the stage. And that was it. And and all everyone else just kind of walked off. And, and that was the end of the show? And well no, there, there was a couple songs afterwards and they, they ended with Day oh, okay. in Life. Um and Johnny came back for that. But but it was it was odd to me. I mean it was odd the way Johnny exited the stage. It was odd the way Jeff left it before the encore. It was strange. Some great playing in the middle and all that, but not a lot of stage banter and just this guest star who is I know he's a bigger deal in the world than Jeff Beck, but it was just sad to me because as soon as I get home, I'm like, all right, well, I better post some pics and see what's out there. And I see all these threads out there like on Google on big websites who is jeff beck right because like johnny depp plays with jeff beck and then the next one is yeah who is jeff beck and like this just pisses me off well okay and and i i would agree with you on that but i mean who knows if if this picks him up some new fans it would be kind of cool if he you know i never heard of this guy before but maybe i'll listen to him now i don't know but it is it is a little disheartening to to if you know anything about classic rock you should, Jeff Beck should be in there somewhere. Like, oh yeah, I know who that guy is. I couldn't, maybe I couldn't tell you everything he did, but I know the name. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It, it reminded me, I saw this this thing on Twitter not that long ago, where it was like Kanye fans in a chat room saying, I don't know who this Paul McCartney guy is that, that Kanye is propping up right now, but it, isn't that just like Kanye to, to help a, <laughs> an un- underserved artist, you know, bake into the mainstream? And I'm like, God, some people are so far behind in the race. They actually think they're winning. And there's so many of them, it would seem. But, I mean, you're right. And, you know, if Jeff sells more tickets because Johnny Depp may or may not be there, 
Yeah. Awesome. Good. But I think that does going back to your your um, synopsis of the show. There, it is. I think it, it does say something for having a front man who knows how to work the crowd. Mm-hmm. You know. So and 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 he's just not that guy. I mean, he's there. To, you're there to see him play. But yeah, he's not going to hype you up. He's not going to. He's just going to do his thing and then go. Right. And and that's basically what he did. Yeah. Soft spoken. Mm-hmm. Comes out kind of wears the same thing most every night. You know been doing it for now god 60 years mm-hmm. something it's like insane. that crazy it's insane he, he was in good shape he looked good he, he seemed happy up on stage Rhonda was great i really want to know who this drummer is because she was awesome and she's got a bright future ahead of her and do you remember the coors uh the irish sisters and brother who had a bunch of hits 20 years ago i remember the sisters yeah yes. yeah well exactly yes. yeah we remember pretty irish girls yeah correct exactly Remember, leave me breathless, go mm-hmm. on. You know, yeah, that yeah, one. yeah. So the oldest of the sisters, who I guess wasn't the lead singer, Sharon Kaur, she was the opening act. Oh, okay. And she's about cool. our age. She might be a couple years older than we are. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she she was the oldest of the sisters. I think the brother was the oldest. She was the oldest of the sisters. She plays the violin. She sat down at the piano. Uh, and she mostly did songs. I guess she's got a new record out, something about a scorpion. All right. And and she looked great. She's very thin. She's kind of a little girl. And and she has a cool band, just a four-piece. Bass, guitar, drummer. And then she sings. She'll sit down at the piano. And she'll also play her violin between some songs. And you remember, they're, they had a hit. Well, we're so young now. We're so young, so young now. Yeah, yeah. She kind of ended with that one. She's like, okay, okay. well, you might know this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if she sang that, if that was her sister Andrea who sang that one, but they were pretty big, Jackson. I mean, I looked at some of their some of their records. A, they sold 40 million records worldwide, which is fairly impressive. Okay. On that album, David Foster wrote some songs for them. I mean, they yeah. write their own songs, but David Foster wrote some songs that In the Blue, is Into the Blue? In Whatever that one was. That was around 2000. I actually had that one. Mutt Lang produced... At least some of it, if not all of it. So, like, they must have had the goods if they Mm -hmm. had those kind of people behind them, you know? Yeah, I think they were. I know they had that one or two hits on on rock radio-esque, but I think Mm -hmm. that they were mostly, like, adult contemporary. Yeah. So that's why we we never really got into them at that point in time. Well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I I remember buying them just because I I, I liked them. I liked the girls. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had nice voices. And I'm like, well, I got to have something besides Metallica to play when I have girls over to the house, right? <laughs> right. So, so, you know, uh, it was handy to have that around. But she was great, you know, and I didn't realize it was her because uh, she's like, oh, it's great to be back in Royal Albert Hall. I mean, I could see she's maybe a little older. She wasn't like, this is my first record ever kind of thing. But I'm like, well, if she's played here before, she must be somebody. And she looks familiar. I just can't place it. And then I realized, oh, that's exactly who she is. Lovely woman, beautiful voice. And it was it was cool. She, she seemed to have a good time. And she sang about her ex. And she sang about being hungover and stuff that we can <laughs> right. kind of all relate yeah. to, you know? <laughs> Hi, I'm Paul Stevenson from Vintage Rock Pod. And you're listening to the Ugly American Werewolf in London. So that's our review of the live show. And it was a lot of fun. It's great to be back in Royal Albert Hall after a couple of years of not being able to go there. It's great to see Jeff back again. I think it's my fourth time seeing him. And you can't deny the buzz that was there because Johnny Depp was there. It was a little odd. You could argue it took away from Jeff's performance. You could argue that it will help generate new fans for him. But I think that night, most people, 
Like this is before they'd ever made an album together. It's when we bought the tickets. I think it's before they even released their single. So some people might have thought they were getting the Jeff Beck show, and then the Johnny Depp thing just made it kind of weird. I don't know. I I just know that most of the shows I go to don't create a lot of buzz, and there was buzz from all over the media because Johnny was in the middle of his trial with Amber Heard, and it was coming to an end. It was all over the world. It was big in the UK. I hear it was big in the US as well. But now we're going to go ahead and review their album, 18, which I think I read recently was Jeff Beck's first top 10 in the Billboard charts ever after a 60-plus year career, or at least 60 years almost here. That's the first time he got into the top 10. That's crazy. He's sold millions of albums. He's an incredible talent. He's a two-time member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And he can't crack the top 10 until he gets some drunken, drug-addled Hollywood jackhole to make a record with him. I don't know. It's a little bit disappointing. Also disappointing was I am on the road here, folks, and sometimes it's hard to get decent sound. It was really hot, and the fan on my computer was running overtime just trying to keep it cool. So the audio might have had some difficulties, but I really thank Paul of Vintage Rock Pod uh, in helping me try to clean that up. So if it's not perfect, hey, I apologize, but I still hope you have a listen, because Jax and I are going to review 18 by Jeff Beck and Johnny Depp right now. All right, you want to get into this? Yeah, but this is not going to be... This is not going to be a glowing review, man. <laughs> well, okay. All right. Interesting. Are you are you excited about the Johnny Depp the Johnny Depp album? Is it's it's come to be known in my house? Depending on how you look at it, how are you going to how? And that was my big concern, not concern, but my big hurdle to get over is how was I going to approach this thing? Right. You, I mean, you went to the show, you saw him play. I'm, I'm guessing they played a couple of these songs, right? Uh, I mean, oh yeah. And, and what I didn't realize was that this is basically a covers album. Yeah, and and Jeff does a lot of covers, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. That's kind of his thing, you know. I mean, even because we ended as lovers, which is uh, one that we liked from back in the days of Beckology in college. Mm-hmm. That's not even his song, you know. So he's that's kind of his mo. Uh, is to take these kind of things. And it's either classics that you know, and it's amazing to hear him play it on the guitar, or it's a great artist, but this is a song of theirs you don't know, right? This is a deep cut. Like, that. everybody knows Isolation by John Lennon. I don't really know that one, you know? I mean, so uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what Jeff does. And, and so I was actually happy to see that that was still part of it, that it wasn't just, this is the Johnny and Jeff, and it's only going to be stuff we do together, you know? Right. Because based on the songs that are new, that would have been not super great, <laughs> in my opinion. So and why I do you know. say that? Well, I say that because we should probably make a pact right now where don't ever get to the point in your life when you don't have somebody to say, I think this is not a great idea. I think <laughs> maybe you shouldn't do this. And I don't think Johnny Depp has anybody in his life like that. And I understand he he's passionate about music. I get that. And because of who he is, he could do things like this. Like if you and I right. called Jeff Beck up and said, hey, Jeff, we want to do this, he would, would not even get through. But Johnny Depp can do it because he's Johnny Depp. He's a pirate. He, he can do whatever he wants to. He's a damn pirate. <laughs> <laughs> but looking at these tracks, a couple of these are they're head scratchers because the vocals on them are pretty, the bar is pretty high on them. So I'm wondering why you pick these, Like you could think you could do come on light my fire. That's pretty easy for anybody to sing. It's not a, it's not a real hard vocal track. Some of these are, 
Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you got to kind of think about, go back to before the beginning. Why is Jeff Beck making an album with Johnny Depp? Okay, that's just something to examine, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Why on earth with this legend of guitar, who, yes, he likes to experiment and collaborate with a lot of different folks, has done for 60 years. I guess he gets to be friends with Johnny. I mean, Johnny is buddies with some rock and roll royalty. He plays in the the, the Hollywood vampires with mm-hmm. Alice Cooper and Joe Perry. Heavy hitters. So if, if they, they let him in, he must have some credence was always my feel. And then I think Johnny hunted Jeff down over time. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, something he said, I think while he was on stage, Jeff Beck was like, he started knocking at my backstage door, you know, five years ago, and we've been brothers ever since or something like that. So Johnny has ingratiated his way into Jeff Beck's life. I don't know how you're supposed to or you know, he's charmed him. So and I guess isolation, that was something that came out. Is that last year? And then the album came out this summer? Is I think right? so. Yeah. I think that's I think that's the timeline. But you know, on the flip side for Jeff Beck, putting Johnny Depp on the record is going to expose your music to a whole crowd of people who would have never even checked it out. So maybe that's his thinking of I can I'm going to get some extra heat on this by collaborating with Depp. With Depp, right? Yeah, and he's right, and that's why I give it a pass. Uh-huh. Um, you know, when it's all things being equal, I kind of give it a pass for the okay because it is Jeff Beck. And like you say, if more people discover Jeff Beck's music because of this tour and this record with Johnny, then that's awesome. I don't see Johnny becoming a huge star of, I don't know, doing covers and, and singing some <laughs> of his own songs. With Je- I don't think that's going to, you know, I think Johnny kind of needs something to do. I think he's got issues, mm-hmm. uh, which came out in court recently and, even though I think he won monetarily, I still think it's obvious that his life is very different from most of ours. And sounds like he's been losing the opportunity to make movies. He's pissed off the wrong people. He's burned through his money's whatever. So he needs some kind of an outlet. I get it. And wow, when he needs an outlet, he doesn't get with his old college roommate and, and create a podcast. You know, he goes to Jeff Beck, his buddy. Right. And let's and, say, let's go out on tour. and uh, Tour our new album, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I I really feel like that's part of it is Beck is smart enough to figure out that he can he can reach new people. He can have more people. I mean, like you said, when you were at the show, did were there people there who were just hoping to see him of the female variety, the younger female variety well, than would they, normally be at a Jeff Beck concert? Okay, I, did, I didn't see an overwhelming lot of younger women. Of course, younger women would be like in their 40s. <laughs> For a Jeff Beck show or 37. No, I mean, I did not see an influx of that. I did hear female voices were the first ones to notice him when he was sneaking on the corner of the stage. Uh, ah, I love you, Johnny. <laughs> yeah. Like, yep, there he is. I figured he would be there. And, and, you know, it's been a while since we did that. We This is we recorded after that concert. But, yeah, I mean, he it wasn't a shock that night that he was there because he had just done it in, I think, Manchester. Right. You know, two nights before or whatever it was. So we... Was like oh, or Sheffield maybe, and and so we were kind of expecting it more or less. Yeah, um, and and he did you know come out and do, and they did yes some of these songs at that show that night. One, two, three, four, 
five of those songs off the album plus little wing which is pretty cool yeah so okay so when so to refresh my memory when you were at the show i mean did it sound decent like if you for whatever reason didn't know who johnny depp was you were living in a cardboard box would you have said hey this guy is pretty good or would you have said what is it this just doesn't make sense this guy is not he doesn't have the same chops as everybody else in the band well Because here's the thing: the people who play with Jeff Beck are awfully, awfully good, and and and, yeah. and he he's amazing. He kind of do anything with that guitar, make it sound however he wants. Unlike anyone else I've ever seen, I've seen a lot of guitar players over the years. Something about what Jeff Beck does that is different from everybody else. And Rhonda, uh, Rhonda Smith, who's his bass player, she's awesome. She's been with him for years. Vinny wasn't there that night, but then that young female drummer who was awesome they had a cellist today i think okay keyboard dude they were all amazing johnny comes out of course and what he used six or seven songs and he used six or seven guitars or well, five or course. six guitars he, he got to switch his out a lot eh, i thought his voice was good at a at emoting uh-huh because he is an actor he doesn't know mm-hmm. how to use tone and you know <laughs> My voice is my instrument. Exactly, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if he's a great singer of these songs. We can go one by one, but I mean, well, look, you're, you're going to find out that the, the, the instrumentals where Jeff kind of plays his guitar, those are my favorite songs, and the ones right. where Johnny sings are my less favorite songs. <laughs> well, the, the reason I was asking before was because I've seen clips of him with the Hollywood Vampires, mm-hmm. and... He he definitely for what he does there he definitely looks the part he's he looks like a rock and roll guy yeah. he's got the he's got the guitar he, with he's the, strumming with, the guitar right yeah. right he's playing along he's playing a part that mm-hmm. could fit into the song but it's kind of like just enough to let him kind of flex a little bit but nothing too heavy duty right. you know he's got the scarves he's got the nice guitars he's he you know changes them out he's got the look so I think in that instance he can. You can fit him into the band, but then when you try and put him in the front, okay, now it's all about you singing. Then I think it's like, oh, now I see what's really going on here. Well, visually, he's a very nice compliment to Jeff. So, but Johnny's, you know, he's colorful as a pirate will yes. be, you know, with lots of jewelry and hair <laughs> accoutrement and, you know, all the stuff that kind of goes along with being Johnny Depp anyway. So, yeah, I mean, visually, I thought he was good balance and play up uh, for Jeff during the show. Uh, and look, uh, some of the songs they did like what's going on. Johnny didn't really try to sing Marvin Gaye. He didn't. He, Jeff played that on his guitar, but mm-hmm. he would come in for some chorus and some background singing stuff. You know, it's so like, OK, well, that they actually did. Right. I mean, you don't just let Johnny sing that song, but, you know, right. let Jeff do his thing on it. And then if yeah, if he wants to sing in the background, I, I, I'm trying to find other. Did other people guest sing on this Record, did you find any notes? I don't think there aren't a whole lot of notes on this thing that I could find. It didn't sound like it. I mean, there's there's background singers, but I mean, I don't think anybody else sings lead on this other than him. Okay, because I, I felt like he was channeling his inner Bono at times. Yeah, then I'm like, well, wait a minute, they could have just gotten Bono to come and do you know some some stuff on here uncredited, you know. Um, but who knows. Punch up the vocals. Yeah, um, yeah, that because that's what he does. He does a lot of session work, Bono. Yeah, he's just hanging around. Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's eh, down there? We got anybody? Oh, Bono's downstairs. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You can just send him a up. Coffee. So, you know, like, send him up in fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but you know, I've I do have exposure to a lot of Jeff Beck's music and and even some of his latter day stuff here, and 
you know, he has a tendency to do some of those mellow ballady blues numbers that that I I kind of like mm-hmm. uh, that are kind of part of his real signature. He also tends to do some heavy metalish industrial kind of stuff that I don't always like. Sometimes it's good, but sometimes it's it's a I don't know. It just doesn't hit my ear the right way. It, so there's there's some of that in here, but I I mean I feel like the Johnny songs where it's like eighty percent Johnny, you know, and Jeff comes in and just puts his touches on. Yeah. I that's not I, what you're looking for. That's that's generally it's those are misses generally for me. Because <laughs> like, uh, look, you, you start off with Midnight Walker. It's an instrumental. Yeah. It's the kind of thing we're accustomed to with Jeff Beck. He puts that soulful feeling in there. Great way to start the album. And there's nothing from Depp yet. So well, and and the, this one, if you didn't tell me who this was and just put the track on, you would immediately say Jeff Beck. That's Jeff Beck playing the guitar. He's that signature that kind of like it's almost singing. Exactly. He's not really, I mean, he's playing the guitar, but he's making it like a voice. It's the lead vocal guitar. Yes, yes absolutely. Yeah. Definitely, definitely his signature sound. That's right. And and it's great, you know, and I'm sure yeah. Johnny's strumming along somewhere. That's fine. But when you get to the Death and Resurrection show, which sounds mm-hmm. very nine inch nails to me. Right. But now here's where here's where I was really trying to search for something on this record. And I think I I think I hit something here. When I first heard this, I, I have no idea who Killing Joke is. No clue. I mean, I've, I've heard the name somewhere a million years ago, but I've never listened to any of their music. This was definitely a really weird left turn. But if you can say to yourself, well, who are these people? Maybe I should go check them out. That's a win for me because it's, it's a, it can introduce you to a new either group or a new genre or something that you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have had pointed out to you before. So I don't, I mean, I went back and I listened to the original uh, Death and Resurrection. And I, of course, I love it way better because it's way more industrial and nasty and they did it. But if that can open the door, hey, good. Thank you, Johnny. I appreciate that. So do you like like industrial stuff and Nine Inch Nails? That's I like some of it. Like yeah. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't go and put on a whole Nine Inch Nails record and listen to the thing. But in bits and pieces... It's. I think it's pretty good, and it. And I think these guys. If I do a little more research, I think these guys were kind of the one of the architects of the original industrial mm-hmm. sound. So again, probably are they British? That, are they UK? Yes, correct. Okay, yeah, I thought yeah. so. Yeah, it's something I need. Something I need to get into. See, yes, finding more British bands we need to get into. Right through our journeys here. Yeah, no. All right. Well, I mean, and then, I don't know, is that Johnny, is he singing, speaking through a talk box or some kind of megaphone? Yeah. Some kind of, some kind of voice effect or something. Yeah. And then again, that's not bad because he's not really saying, I mean, no offense, but anybody could do that. All you're doing is talking into this thing and it makes your voice modulates it. So that's right. Yeah. And and this kind of music fits into stuff that Jeff has been doing for a long time. So it's not Mm -hmm. like you say, oh, well, Johnny took him on some weird turn here. No, this is that sounds like Jeff Beck. And now you got this guy, Johnny, singing. So, I mean, as far as I don't love it because I don't listen. I I am kind of an album guy and industrial is, you know, is not my jam. But, yeah, it's cool that they did it. And I think it fits the genre of Jeff Beck. So no complaints so far, really. So then what I would want to know is if you look at all of these tracks, whose whose idea was this? Because I mean this is this is all over the map. So I wonder like, are they some Jeff Beck wanted to do? Are they some Johnny wanted to do? Did they get together? Did was it all one person? I don't know. Cause I think you can kind of tell sometimes, especially yeah. if it's an instrumental. I think that's very Jeff. <laughs> you know, because Johnny's not going to contribute as much. 
I think some of the songs, of course, Johnny wrote a couple songs. So obviously those are mostly Johnny, but, but you can kind of pick them out, you know? So, yeah. I mean, look, the third one time, it's a slow song. It's a crooner for Johnny. He can kind of, he doesn't yes. have to stretch up. Right. Right. And Jeff's right on point. He's emotional with his playing. Johnny's okay. What's weird is that the flurry of drums between like 245 mark and the 320 all of a sudden, because it's like a slow thing. And then all of a sudden, it's, you know, yeah. it picks up. So it's it's good, but it's kind of weird. Yeah. And, and then this is another one too, where it was like, you know, Dennis Wilson was in the Beach Boys, legendary rock group, but then he also did stuff on his own. And so, I mean, I don't really know that much about Dennis Wilson other than, you know, the Beach Boys. And then so I started looking. Drummer, and, yeah. Yeah. And then. Used to so, date Christine McVie. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that till I started reading that. And then it was like he drowned, you know, after, uh, you know, taking, drinking all day and taking to like, well, this guy was really, a, he lived a rock star life. It bit him. But yeah, just. Uh, Look, man, as long as you're not the recluse, it'd probably be awesome to be a Beach Boy, dude. Co- yes. Correct. You know? Yeah, I mean, they're still, they're still even touring today. So, I mean, it, I don't know if they were the American version of the Beatles because that's a that's a stretch. I know that they they the Beatles that sounds and, did influence. Them, yeah, correct. Yeah, Brian Wilson was the the architect of that, and you know, Dennis was. I don't want to say he was along for the ride because I think he he contributed, you know, with his drumming and everything. And I don't know if he if they were brothers, so who knows what he did with this. But it's just interesting again to I didn't really know that much about Dennis Wilson until I started looking at this. And so there's something else I didn't know. See, there you go. Well right. So so if he's if like Clapton, his goal in life was to spread the blues, you know. Yeah. Jeff Beck's goal is to spread odd songs that you've never heard of before. There you go. You know, and expose you to these other great artists in his own way. Yeah. I, I, I thought that one was was all right. Again, yeah. it's it's still part of the, the motif. And you're right, his his voice is not because I because I listened to the original one of this too. It's not that far off. Dennis was not really a singer either. So, but it, so it kind of fits. It doesn't. He doesn't have to stretch out at all. So, I mean, that's that's not a bad choice for no. a song on this record. No, but the next one is bad. Whether it's a choice or not, I don't know. But it's kind of bad. I don't like the fourth song, "Sad Motherfucking Parade." Why is there not enough swearing in it for you? <laughs> Just you know. <laughs> now, this is an interesting point. Because I found an article in Rolling Stone about how this is this ripped off from something else. Oh, I don't know. Okay, so this deal is they saying Johnny Depp, Jeff Beck accused of stealing lyrics from incarcerated man's poem, and this was a this was a guy Slim Wilson, and he he was a he was like a hustler. He was a criminal. He was a hustler back in the 30s and 40s, and so he had this. There are lines in this in this recorded thing, incarcerated man's poem. Yeah. That are really similar to this. But then the thing is, the incarcerated man's poem was a like um, you know, not a spiritual, but like a like a um yeah. what's the word I'm looking for? It's like a handed down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. So like nobody can really tell who wrote this. So yeah. like Johnny Depp putting his name on it, it's like okay, but you know, you didn't reference anything, like this is where I got it from. So are you trying to pass this off? And then you know, it's one of those deals where who who really is the architect of this? Interesting. Well, yeah. But going back to your original point, no, it's not a very good song. I mean, yeah, it's either very avant garde or it's just kind of bad. Yeah. And I, <laughs> and I, I you know, I, I I don't know about avant garde music. You know, it's it's almost a rap 
for Johnny. So he's not really singing, which is good, yeah. I think, uh-huh. overall. Just doing some textures underneath some stuff. And I, I'm I'm guessing if this was an 80-20 Johnny song. Yeah. <laughs> is my guess. Maybe not. Maybe Jeff got into it. Some of the textures on here, the industrial stuff Jeff can do and, and is into, but I don't know. I you know, it and it also just seems like Johnny's whining about how fake Hollywood is and it, but then he's this caricature of a you know fallen icon who's you know just getting sued and losing movie deals and mm-hmm. you know owes people money all over the world it's like it's like he's parodying himself almost with this mm-hmm. song i really i really wonder if you sat down with him like i like if you met him somewhere and just started talking would you just say this guy is just on a different plane of reality. Bananas. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's just, he's convinced himself that he is, he's made himself into this character. I don't know. Like, are you even a real person anymore? Exactly. You know? Yeah. Has he really gone off the deep end or can he still act like a human being, you know, when the, when the bright lights hit and then right. he can go back to his cave to be whatever he truly wants to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, moving on. Moving on. You like the slow bluesy stuff, yeah? A little Texas guitar twang from Jeff on Don't Yes. Talk? Yes. Very, yeah. I like this a lot. Um, this was another, this is a, the, the, it was a weird, not weird, but it was an interesting choice. If you said, hey, what's your favorite Beach Boys song? Most people would not say, don't talk, put your head on my shoulder. So again, is this one of these things where it's like, hey, I've, I, I've never heard that song before, but maybe I should check it out. All I know is no Johnny needed here vocally yeah you know, i like hearing jeff do this thing on this I and mean, this is kind of what i want to hear on a jeff beck album you know this is kind of what i've come to expect so yeah mm-hmm. i mean it's maybe i'm probably being some old but there you go i like that <laughs> for jeff Beck, you get the bluesy open the brushes on the drums i mean yeah. it's, you know it's chill uh whereas you know this next one this is definitely a johnny song yeah and the and the the, the thing is with this it's i, I don't know why you picked hedy lamar and the only thing I can think of is from Blazing Saddles when it's Headley Lamar and he, everybody's calling him Hetty. And then Mel Brooks says, what are you worried about? This is 18, whatever, 1865. You can sue her. That, that's really the only thing I know about Hetty Lamar. She was an actress from the golden age, but that's all I know. I don't know why he chose this, but then thinking about that, is this the same thing? Is he, is he complaining about Hollywood for himself through this song. Right. Like, like you know, she got chewed up and spit out. And, right. Well, yeah. the same thing could happen to me. Yeah. Same thing is happening to me. It's happening all around me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He wrote this and they, they definitely played this. Did they play the other one, the, the uh, Death and Resurrection? They did play that one. Okay. Sure. And how did that come off live? Uh, yeah, that was the one, that was the last one Johnny did with Jeff. Okay. Before the encore. So, you know, Jeff came out and did, what, seven songs, something like that. Johnny comes out, starts with Hedy Lamar, and they run through, what, one, two, three, four, five, six songs. The last one was Death and Resurrection Show. Okay. And I don't know, I just remember that point being like, because they just done Little Wing, and I was like psyched that it was, you know, Jeff doing Little Wing is awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't care, Johnny doesn't even need to be there, it doesn't matter, you know. Uh, so I, but it was so cool. Uh, and then they did that one. Yeah, a little more industrial. It's like, okay, yeah, they can pull this off live. It's, it's a little loud, but cool. And then they went because we ended his lover. So, you know, it's, I'm like, that's kind of why I was there. <laughs> it, was, it was one of those, right? You know, so the Hedy Lamar. So Jeff reads 
what Johnny had done here, and I think he put his solo into it very well. It builds into something that I think without Johnny, it could be a better song. <laughs> so then back to then back to the Beach Boys here. Back to the Beach Boys, another one with no Johnny. Yeah. It's a slow one, but his harmonics just stand out to me on this one. Just the tone of his guitar. I'm like, goodness gracious, he has such control over that, man. And it's so distinct, too. Yeah. And, and I really like to watch him. Some they have close-ups of his hands when he plays, and just to watch him how he's got the whammy bar in the palm. It's in the palm of his hand. And he just kind of works it like he doesn't. He doesn't go at it. Yeah, like hard, it's a chopstick. He's got it right there in his fingers. Yeah, know? right. And he and he just yeah he just kind of feathers it and yeah it 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 is a very distinctive sound. I'm glad they picked this one with no vocals. Yeah. Because I think it's just it just sounds better with him playing this. Yes, it requires nothing from Johnny, as it's perfect as Correct. it is. That's that's my notes on yes. it. So <laughs> I like that. When we go into like what sounds like more of a fifties kind of tribute song with the "Ooh Baby Baby," you know, the old Smokey song. Yes. What, what do you think of of Johnny here? Uh, he, okay, so here we, here's where we get into the, the kind of part of the, the the album where it's like I don't know if this is the best choice for you. It's a great song. It's iconic. But like, do you really think you could match up with Smokey Robinson on vocals? What's wrong with you? Like, that's not, you are out of your league on this one. I, I love to hear Jeff Beck play it, but this is where I can start to see, like, he's really overreaching on the vocals uh, or trying to Absolutely. Overreach. It sounds to me that he's singing with someone who who I don't yes. know the credit who it is. Maybe he's doubling himself from the studio. There's maybe there's two tracks and he's doing one, trying to do one in a different key or something like that. But no, it sounds like someone is singing it with him slash for him to me. It's not Smokey Robinson. That That's, that's Correct. for sure. Yeah. Correct. But, I, but it's like the time, you know, when something like this was popular, it would have been close to 18 for Jeff, not for Johnny, but and the title of the album is 18. Mm. This is, you know, this is something he would have been playing or singing maybe when he was 18. Sure. Probably. Yeah. And, and that's where the, that's where the, the kind of the odd musical juxtaposition comes in. Like these guys who we revere so much, uh, you know, in the 70s, 60s, 70s, and into the 80s, they were into the American groups from before in the 50s. Right. And so that's how that shaped the sound. So, yeah, I, I would imagine that this was probably a very big favorite of his from back in the yeah, day. Probably so. All right. But now they get to what's going on. And this is mm -hmm. wisely done. Okay. They did play this live. Okay. Mm hmm. You let Jeff play lead vocals on his guitar. Right. Don't let don't okay. let Johnny sing, you know, and let him chime in a little bit. Okay. Jeff has got the tone of the song down and the band is on point doing some Motown, which is not, you know, not every rock band can just do that. Yes. So I'm going to leave it there for now. And here's where I'm going to pick it up. I really think, I really think you should, we should have discouraged Johnny from singing it all on this track. It's great to hear Jeff Beck play this, but are you kidding me? <laughs> This is, a, I mean, we did a whole review of this album. This is a song from an African-American man who wrote this whole thing about what was going on in his life, what he saw in his community. And yeah, I, I feel your pain. No, you don't, Johnny. This is not a song for you. It, it's like it's like him singing Get Up, Stand Up by <laughs> Bob Marley. Right? No, dude. You're, you're not a Rastafari. No, you have never been oppressed been one oppressed second in your life. Years, yes. yes, even though I'm sure if you asked him, he would say, oh, oppression. Oh, I know all about that. I mean, I get uh, Jerry Bruckheimer won't call me back. And uh, Pirates of the Caribbean 9 is supposed to go. Okay, dude, no, you're missing the entire point on this. I I'm glad that he didn't try and sing the whole song. 
I was kind of hoping he wouldn't sing any of it. It is great to hear Jeff Beck play this. I just think maybe somebody should have just grabbed him and said, Johnny, maybe you should just sit this one out. Well, you know, look, I spoken word stuff. It's fine. I mean, he's kind of more speaking at the end than singing, really. And yeah, look, I understand wanting to, to do the song because of the times that we live in. We did the review last year leading up to our mm -hmm. 50th show. We did 50th anniversary records. And what's going on was one of them. And we just remarked about how, God, 50 years later, and it's still racial disharmony and still, you know, wars mm -hmm. going on, still, you know, whatever, social strife, just the stuff that's going on, violence. And so, I mean, if that's his intention, then great. I hope, I hope it helps somehow. And, and maybe, you know, you can go back to the same thing too. If, if people who have never listened to this record to Marvin Gaye get turned onto it, then that's great. It just it just was a little tone deaf. For yeah, me. now we're starting to have some really big expectations for this record. I mean, you know, <laughs> these days, does Jeff Beck sell 100,000 records worldwide? I mean, I'm talking about physical copies or downloads. I mean, yeah, is it a 200,000? I mean, I don't know. Is it a million? I doubt that. You know, yeah. so it's like suddenly this thing's going to be super influential. It's got to, you know, resurrect Marvin Gaye for people and Killing Joke and, <laughs> you know, the Beach Boys. And it's like there's a lot of work to be done to this <laughs> this little record that I don't know how many people are really going to buy. But um, this isn't Stranger Things. No, exactly. You know, if, if now if <laughs> Kate Bush, you know, had been with, with Jeff here, that would have been amazing. Mm -hmm. That would have been huge. All right, let's move along. All right. Venus and Furs. Mm -hmm. Lou Reed. Mm -hmm. It's a very Lou Reed title. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've never been into the Velvet Underground. Never. I understand. I understand that you know. If I say that out loud, people are like, "Well, you're an idiot because it's the greatest band." Okay, I get it. I've just never been into that. Like that kind of that whiny, you know, vocal delivery that he's got. I, I've just, I've never heard this song Went before. Out on the sidewalk, <laughs> buy a newspaper. <laughs> you know, here's the thing i don't even really know that many songs that i can even sing it's it, like i said it's one of those ones where if you tell people that you've never listened to that they think well you're you're an idiot because you totally missed the boat i'm gonna tell i'm gonna proudly admit i don't know anything about them other than lou reed i've never really listened to them it's just not my band no and so, so i evaluate it on the song then all right i don't know the song right all right what do i got it's a hard pounding operatic kind of metal but there's no thrash there to begin with you know okay okay or, or, or like crunchy crunch you know yeah and johnny's speaking more than he's singing so that's good yeah it, that i thought that was a good fit because lou reed doesn't really sing he just kind of has his like you know mumble talk so as far as like capability that was that was a good one for him to pick. Whatever, uh, but, and then you know, but Jeff comes in with some heaviness, and then you know, yeah. I'd say I hear Depp trying to be Bono here, and then I'm just thinking, God, maybe they just have like a Bono like pedal or something that they kind of just press <laughs> for Johnny before he goes back to his like drifter Johnny voice. I don't know. I mean, is it a good song? Maybe. Are they losing me? <laughs> they are. They're losing me. <laughs> They're losing me. Yeah. It's an hour long record and I don't always have an hour. So, you know, right. some songs right. might this get might skipped. Be one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about Let It Be Me? Okay. Now we're getting into, you really should have been told not to do this one. This, Phil and Don Everly are the gold standard for harmonic vocals together. I mean, they're, they, when you say, har who's the best harmony ever in rock and roll? It's the Everly Brothers. 
and you are not them. This is just, it's just bad. This is just bad. You should have walked away from this. I don't know. It starts like the ones I like on the record, right? You know, okay. little Jeff Beck yeah. in there, yeah. Yeah, no, it, the, the the instrumental part is fantastic. It's just his voice. You should not have, you should not have even tried for this well, one because the, the bar is so high. Well, maybe, yeah, the bar is high. I didn't think it was awful by Johnny, though, to be honest with you. I didn't huh. think it was awful. Okay. I mean, now right. I'm not well, comparing it to the original. I'm just saying, listen to it as for what it is. I think some of his other stuff is worse <laughs> on the record. And the two of them collaborating together, it feels like they have something going here. Now, did he, he's not the Everly Brothers, no, but he, he's, he's fitting in his register there. It, it wasn't horrible. It wasn't horrible for me. We'll agree to disagree. That's fine. It's one. good to, to really mix it up with this Let It Be Me song. I don't know who wrote it. I know that it was Phil and Don Everly were the original record. Uh, they recorded originally. I don't know. The if they Everly Brothers. The Everly Brothers. Correct. The Everly Stars. Yeah. And then, all right. What's it? Stars? Mm-hmm. Janice Ian cover. Kind of a piano bar lament. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was. This was an interesting, interesting uh, addition here at the end of, almost at the end of the record. Yeah, I, I didn't, I, I'd never heard this one before either. But I kind of, I kind of like this one. It, it, like you said, it's a little piano bar. It's a little bluesy. Yeah, I like. Yeah, it. Johnny doesn't have to oversing. Jeff does his thing. Right. I think mm-hmm. it's. I mean, I think it's. I think it's him whining about Hollywood again. But there seems to be a common theme or a thread throughout. This yeah, thread. he doesn't have to oversing on it, so it, it it works out. So yeah, it's it's not bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's the thing. I think the Let It Be Me and the Stars, you know, put those together, and you're actually rounding out the album. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, and then Isolation, which I didn't know John Lennon version. I don't think I'd ever heard that. It would make sense that he would have written a song like that while he was holed up in hotels or running from the whomever. Yeah. But I don't know. I didn't have a huge opinion on it. At this point I was like, yeah, I've been doing this for an hour now. I can't believe <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah, I don't I don't ever remember hearing this from John Lennon. I don't think the vocals are bad. I mean, again, this is this is kind of the register that he can sing in. So it, it works out. I thought the guitars were a little more rocking on this one, a little more straight ahead rock than than the blues. Wasn't a bad I, I don't think it was a bad addition to this. So, you know, overall, five stars. Something zero to ten. How would you rate this record? Zero to ten. I would say I would give it. Uh, that's a hard. That's actually harder than I think because if you're rating it on the on the musicianship, I'd give it a ten. I mean, it, Jeff Beck delivers exactly what you want to hear. He's still he can play every bit as well as he ever could. I don't think there's any like oh you know he can't do this or that or the the rest of the musicians are great. It's just you can tell there's a deficiency with Johnny Depp. You can tell if he wasn't who he was, he'd never be on this record. So I, I would I would give it probably maybe a six altogether. I give it a six. I give it a six. Yeah, and because Jeff is brilliant on it, and about half of it is kind of like I don't know. It, it's kind of like the Union record from Yes, when it was like the two different camps <laughs> had yeah two different sets of like five songs. You know, so one sounds like one band, one sounds like the other. Mm-hmm. Something like that, or like sometimes when people get together, like Steve Hack and Steve Howe, yeah, they might write a couple together, but mostly it's their own stuff, and then the other guy kind of plays off of it, right? So that, that kind of seems to be happening a little bit. Like, you know, Johnny had some stuff, and then Jeff had some stuff. And they just kind of smushed it together. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, look, it sounds like they're buddies. They hang out together. It's not – I don't think it's a contrived record. I think it's something Johnny was mm-hmm. happy to do, and Jeff's like, yeah, someone wants to make a record with me. That's cool, you know. Because uh, I was thinking, who should Jeff Beck be doing this kind of a collaboration with? 
who from his generation or should he be doing somebody younger would be a good idea because like his generation like okay he could do steve winwood kind of thing get him off mm-hmm. the bench and that would be fun who else would you think maybe some kind of a singer vocalist so w- are you talking about like uh, putting the record out like carlos santana does where it's like it's 10 tracks with like seven or eight different singers or, on no it? or no no just like let's do a tour together like clapton and, oh, and okay. winwood did a tour together you know and, and they okay. sang together and stuff or you know and play together I mean, if you're talking that same genre, I think uh, Paul Rogers from Bad Company would be a would be a good fit because I think he can do kind of the bluesy stuff and and the rocking stuff also. That's a good call. I'd even like to see him, and, and if you really want to get freaky, I'd like to see him with Robert Plant. What the two of them could do together? Yeah, I don't think Robert wants to go that way anymore. I, I think Robert likes his. I don't care. I don't care what well, he, I, I, you're asking he's me. Worth hundreds of millions of dollars. He can, <laughs> he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> and he wants to do, you know, more like pastoral, Celtic, bluegrass, country kind of stuff. You know, I think he likes being with Alice Krauss. And, mm-hmm. um, I think he liked the stuff he did with Patty Griffin when he lived in Nashville for those few years. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Nancy Wilson, who did tour with him on the Stars Align, she could make a cool record with him. He likes working with women. Um, yeah. She could she could belt some stuff out for him. That would be That would be interesting to see him with no offense to Johnny Depp, but an actual vocalist, right? somebody who can actually really sing and then put something together like that. Yes, that would be an interesting, because I mean, we've, we've talked about this before. That's always been Jeff's Achilles heel. He's not a singer. So he can't put a record out by himself unless you just want to do all instrumentals. And those don't really, those don't sell yeah, like they don't the, big the needle. Scene. Yeah. They don't get on the radio. Yeah. And they don't, you know, even though sometimes they get put in like soundtracks or whatever, it's more, it's like background music than a hit. You know? Right. So, yeah, I love his instrumentals. I thought they were great on this album. I think he, he stepped into the plate several times and delivered exactly kind of what you want from from Jeff Beck. But it just seems sometimes the collaboration Johnny got involved in this. Like, I'm glad you're having fun on your little side project here, man. And I guess I'm just jealous. <laughs> So that wraps up episode number 90 of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast. Bit of a labor of love, this one, as it was recorded over about three months in three different countries. But we hope you appreciate us going to these great lengths to bring you updates on Jeff Beck and Johnny Depp live and their hit, I guess you could say, record, 18, which has come out here this summer. I don't know if Johnny should be giving up his day job as an actor. It sounds like people are forcing him to do so, but I don't think this is his great calling. I know he's done great work with the Hollywood vampires, but hey, I I think he should just stick to being Jack's Sparrow than, than trying to play a caricature of Keith Richards' Jack Sparrow on the live stage. That's just me. But hey, if it brings more people to Jeff Beck's music, then I say go for it and have fun. And Jeff just announced a big tour this fall, and he's touring with Ann Wilson, who he's toured with before on the Stars Align Tour. We talked a lot about that on our interview with Deborah Bonham earlier this year, so you can check out that one. But he's doing a bunch of dates in the U.S., so you got to believe that Johnny's going to be showing up for those as well. So if you like what you hear here today, hey, go check it out. There'll probably be a lot of people there interested to see what does Johnny look like live? How does he sound? I don't know how well it'll go over, but go check it out, man. It'll be fun. Now, as usual... Did we get something right? Did we get something wrong? Did we miss the point? Did we leave out your favorite part? Hey, you got to reach out to us. You can tweet and DM us at ugly underscore werewolf and at actionjack72. You can check us out on Instagram and you can email us uglyamericanwerewolf at gmail.com. Let us know which albums, bands, concerts, DVDs, which rock properties 
you want us to review. A special thanks goes out to Paul Stevenson of Vintage Rock Podcast, a super guy with a beautiful radio voice who's helping us sort out our audio on this one. Like I said, this is recorded over three different months, three different countries, trying to cobble together a good show for you there, and his assistance uh, is greatly appreciated. You're the best, Paul, and we will have you on here again soon. As far as next week goes, we still end up some special guests for you, and I want to talk a little bit about some of my experience here on the continent in Amsterdam. Hopefully there'll be some live music I can talk about here uh, on the next one. But you'll just have to tune in. Please get us on iTunes, Apple, Spotify, Good Pods, Google Play, really anywhere that you get your podcast. We do create YouTube on our YouTube channel, although it's all audio, no video. But please download, subscribe so you don't miss it. And hey, please, if you're thinking about it, if you like the show, give us a positive review. It just helps find more rock and roll fans like you. And if you go to Good Pods, hey, they are being really good to us. Not only did the team recommend us, but we're in the top 10 and top 5 music lists uh, and we really appreciate that. That's cool. Be sure to check out Pantheon Podcast and our friends like Paul Stevenson of Vintage Rock Pod, like Jay at The Hook Rocks, like Tom and Zeus at Shout It Out Loudcast. And to all you rock and rollers all around the world, be cool and stay safe. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.